So what are those games where it's, it scrolls up and it's kind of a shooter game? Like you're in an airplane and... It, oh, like the bullet hell games? Yeah, but it, you're it, like... What, like, what are they called? Radon or... Ra- like Raiden 19, 1952? Is that what it's called? 1942, I believe. 1942. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. And Raiden Dread. Are you talking about King's Ra- or King's Raid or the King's, King's Night? Night? Yeah. yeah. The one that they remade recently? That's not oh, any, really? Yeah, that's not any good. It's on mobile devices. And then I don't... I gotta, I gotta remember which one this was. I, I took it a long time ago. What is it called? Um, I don't know why you're recording this. Though. Raiden Dread is a really good game. Uh-huh. What's what? Raiden Trad and then R Type is a really good game. Um, Raiden so, Type. No, Raiden oh, Trad and then R Type. Yeah, both n- Super Nintendo games. Um, I was really good at Raiden Trad. My brother and I used to play it all the time. Um, well, if we're, I guess we're starting. Uh, so welcome to the Nerdy Video Game Podcast or the MVG Podcast, aka MVG, or because people will finally put this together, the Not Very Good Podcast. God, I, don't, I don't I don't like you putting that out there in the zeitgeist, but you know, whatever. I it's guess cool. it, well, if we a, say it first, then it, you know, it loses its power. So, something like that. <laughs> uh, so this is this is going to be the this is season 2 and or actually we were debated. Well, no. I, I we didn't debate anything. You just really I, want to add a title to it. I this. wanted the first season to be the tutorial season and then this is level 1 season. But I guess it's it doesn't matter. It's season two. It's weird because then it makes it seem like we didn't know what we were doing, but we did. Sometimes, most of the time, almost all the time. Maybe. Fake it till you make it, right? Um, uh, <laughs> dude, why did it look like it just it just like stopped recording and started over? It's jumping bars. Uh, okay. Uh, oh, you've never seen this. Part. I've never seen this part. You before. never actually. <laughs> behind the scenes a new uh recording setup we have uh has all the stuff on a big screen so he's able to see how how it all works it's neat how the sausage is made you know (laughs) wow um so so, no i want to talk okay (laughs) (laughs) i'm just kidding what were you gonna say oh i was just gonna say so this season season two this is actually the season of uh final fantasy and Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. uh once a month we're gonna talk about a particular final fantasy game and then we kind of drew, uh, pulled some themes from those, and we're going to do some podcasts on that. And you'll get other stuff in between. Yeah, this season what we wanted to do is, like like you said, final, focus on Final Fantasy. And then if we don't have enough to fill out the, the, the month, we're going we're gonna to interject some interviews, some reviews, movies, TV shows, video games. Um, actually... You know what? I think we just talked about this earlier. Not really reviews, but more like just uh, talking like about perspectives it. on the on the games. Like if we just kind of, yeah, just talking about them. Uh, what do you call that? If it's not discussion? a review, yeah, yeah. Well, let's go with discussions. <laughs> I think reviews are a little harsh because oh, season usually... two, season two, and words are already hard. <laughs> yeah. Um, I think yeah, because I think if we call them reviews, and there's like a, a a judgment that is that's expected at the yeah. end, where the discussion is just saying, hey here's uh here's kind of what to look forward to or whatever it's a uh okay there's a series on youtube um i think i want to say it's game ranks is the is the site that does it they they do uh before you buy so it's not oh, really yeah. it's not really telling you that the game is good or bad it's just telling it's you what to that, expect just so you know yeah and i mean i think sometimes they i mean as with all forms of media 
they are always inbred like biases like you know that they may not like the games or usually that they might switch up the the host or whatever for the for the game so you get a little bit better like a breath of perspective on on the thing anyways yeah that makes sense i think we'll we'll kind of go with that kind of theory i mean it's kind of a review in a way but not yeah, really. it's a review without a without a rating, yeah, without a number, without a without a thumbs up, thumbs down. It's more or less a hey, I liked this, I thought this was cool. Eh, they could have done better with this, but never quite. <laughs> or know. I don't like it, right? Which in turn, it's kind of a review. Yeah, I but okay again. My my perspective on on reviews is that like the, they always go like head on into like they, sections yeah it's yeah. it's like it's like they put so much of an emphasis on telling you whether or not you like to, it yeah yeah you, but yeah you need to yeah you need it's to, not like it's not like this is just our opinion oh this is our expert review you know that yeah makes sense. and i'm yeah i'm not a journalist and i'm not a, i'm not actually a game reviewer i would yeah i'm just giving my opinions based on me as a yeah. gamer and being somebody that's part of the industry as well well Okay, so we actually didn't say this. I'm David. I'm with Will here. You're right. you're a whole season into this podcast. If you don't know who I am, I'm just kidding. I know yeah, you start off. Every, you you start should off say who you are. I know. I and, know. And, I'm Will. You know, and and the purpose. <laughs> well, it's been a little while since we recorded, so apparently we're rusty. But uh, I don't think so. So part of it too. Uh, one of the reasons that we are well, we're making a podcast just because. Well, we wanted to, uh, but another part of it was that we are currently developing a game, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. and hopefully multiple games after that. And um, probably not because I don't like him that much. But <laughs> so and that's why we're here. We're uh, we're trying to get this thing we're started. Here because I don't like him. <laughs> that's that's really weird. Yeah, exactly. I don't know. I can't, I can't think of the word. It's it's the thing where you you put yourself in this situation that's bad all the time. Mm-hmm. Oh my gosh, what is that word? Self-deprecating. Yes, thank you. Mm-hmm. I appreciate that. You're welcome. He's a better dictionary than I am. Mm-hmm. So, should we talk <laughs> about Final Fantasy One? Yeah, um, yeah. Let's let's get into this. When, when did you stuff. play Final Fantasy One the first time? Um, like, did you play it for NES? No. Okay. I'm still. I think I still don't know if we have quite established our stance on, on emulation. Um, well, <laughs> because the thing is, I'm I, against it. Uh, yeah, and I am. I I am also uh, more so against it now than I used to be. Yeah. I think that's. I I, 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 I used can, it when I was younger. Yeah, but. I think that. Yeah, I think that's that's kind of where my stance lies. Is that before, you know, when you're young impressionable and you don't really have the money to just go out buying all games all willy-nilly yeah and you're starting to discover that all the classic games were just you know millions of times better than the games that were coming out when well, you were there's like, a level to how easy it was to get this stuff it for me it was actually just because i had played final fantasy 7 and then suddenly my interest in the series that i started on number seven was like what about one two three four and five and six oh, that's so weird for yeah. someone to start on seven well i mean and we'll, we'll probably, <laughs> probably get into this um, some other time. But no, uh, my mom actually bought me Final Fantasy VII or bought my, my our family. She went to the store and she saw PlayStation games and she was like, oh, okay, uh, this one looks kind of cool. This one looks kind of cool. <laughs> she bought Final Fantasy VII. I like the guy's hair. 
Right. Final <laughs> Fantasy Seven, Tekken Two, and uh, Mario Andretti Racing. And from then on, I kind of established that I love RPGs, I love fighting games, and I love racing games. Go figure, right? That is yeah. crazy. And then I uh, actually did not know that. That yeah. is nuts. So yeah, starting from there, uh, we yeah we played a lot of Final Fantasy, and then I think. F- I mean, the internet hadn't become as as viable as it yeah. was until a little bit later on in life, because uh, we were still, you know, I'm a little old, so I grew up in the in the in the 56k modem era, and then or sorry, the 20 26 point whatever modem. That was then, a long time ago. Was, oh my gosh, you've got mail. <laughs> um, like we grew up during the during during that time, you know. So at the time, it was like. Uh, like when you finally could, when you could play that stuff on PlayStation, uh, it was pretty exciting. But then, you know, as the internet became more and more wide open, I would go to the library and start to find games that like, oh, you can, you know, you can run a thing that runs a thing that allows you to play all these other games that are, that are old, you know? And I was just thinking, because this is like, I mean, think about it. The PlayStation era is kind of when the Super Nintendo was already falling off. Mm-hmm. Even though, for some reason, the Super Nintendo stayed alive for a long time. My goodness. Um, but it was it was finally starting to fall off. And so then I was like, oh, you can't just find them in, at your Blockbuster or whatever. Oh, it's such a bad reference. <laughs> Anyways. <laughs> it's uh, right. People know what it is because uh, Captain Marvel. R.I.P. Blockbuster. <laughs> um, but yeah, like you wouldn't really, you start, it started to fade from those markets and it just was all the discs and stuff like that. And then N64 cartridges and stuff like that. Um, anyways, yeah, so going back to that, yeah, emulation was, was the thing. It was the way to get all those old games that you were never able to buy, especially as a kid. Like I wasn't gonna be able to go on, I don't even know if eBay was open or like active back then. Like I wouldn't be able to go on a site like eBay to, just be like, oh, look, somebody has a collection of like 600 of these cartridges and they're selling them for 20 bucks because they just don't want them anymore. You know, that kind of thing, which nowadays, oh pe- gosh, nowadays people would be so awesome. Right. But nowadays people just don't or people know the value because you can yeah. look it up and be like, oh, this cartridge is actually worth $400. And I don't I'm not paying $400 just for a classic game. No, that's insane. So, you know, anyways. So that's my stance on emulation. So if you're asking when I first played, <laughs> I know we, we, <laughs> quite a tangent. Tangent. Um, well, we're back into it, right? Uh, <laughs> so, <laughs> so the first time I played Final Fantasy 1 would be uh, on emulation. Like, how, how old? That's so weird that you played it after Final Fantasy 7. Um, how old was I? I was back in... Uh, when did Final Fantasy 7 come out? Come out? Like, 97, I think. Yeah, because it was 20-year anniversary, I believe, last year. And I think this is the 20-year anniversary of 8 this year. Mm. I don't know. Um, Actually, I'm pretty sure. Yep, uh, it's 1997. It came out in U- U.S. in 1997. Because uh, 87 to 97. Or 97, 97. Well, I'm saying 87 is Final Fantasy One. Oh, 87 is Final Fantasy One. Yeah. Oh. So, so that's what I was thinking. 97. So I played Final Fantasy One in 1987. You did? Yeah. God, you're old. <laughs> <laughs> Stuff. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, I totally played it on the original one, and. Uh, and uh, I I read some interesting things uh, yesterday. Actually, so I didn't even know this, but like Rad Racer, I don't know if you ever played Rad Racer. I did not. But it was basically just this racing game where it goes on forever. And as you get like, you know, you go like 100 miles and all of a sudden the background changes. And then, yeah. it, but it's like seamlessly changing, you know, like the seasons. Mm-hmm. And I had no clue that was a square... 
oh, I guess it was Squaresoft at the time. Mm-hmm. And then, oh, uh, gosh, I miss Squaresoft. Sorry. Yeah. <laughs> and then, uh, and then King's Night was, uh, it was kind of weird. Like, it was kind of like 1942, but your, your little night dude was on the ground. And mm-hmm. the, uh, and you had like all these rocks, you had the, the blow up. And, uh, but the screen was scrolling up. So you had to, you know, take care of these rocks and monsters really quick. It was kind of weird, but uh, I loved it back in the day. Um, see, uh, yeah, you definitely have a different perspective on that because it actually when I played it, uh, I well, I didn't get to play any of those when they came out. It was always something that I had like emulated, experienced later on, right? And yeah. the and the King's Night thing, I didn't know about it until just recently when they were talking about doing or when they did the the mobile game remake of the game. Um, so it's like full That's on so full 3D, right? But I think it's just Square going back and um, reiterating on things that people may not have known about. Yeah. Also. To be honest, if you look at it from today's lens, that game perfectly fits for like the endless runner thing that that has become that became such a big thing. So they were like, "Why don't we just take?" They the... both do. Wow, that's so weird. Yeah, they had already done it before, so they're like, "This actually seems fine. All we have to do is put some three D graphics on this, and we already have a concept that far actually far exceeds what current endless runners are doing by having like all these uh, you know RPG mechanics built into something that." may not it may not have been popular back then i don't know actually how popular it was in terms of sales and everything um but yeah i can i can see that so actually talking about final fantasy well so so i haven't played final fantasy one in a long time and actually last time i played it was probably on like the the psp remake right will has actually gone back in and for this podcast and played it again and i am kind of curious like let's uh I, I mean, let's let's talk about it. You know, like yeah, I played it. I played it on the. Uh, well, I guess just for perspective, because I know um, when I was reading online, like how I should play it, there was a lot of like different things being so- said as to what the best versions of the game was. Um, I actually played it on the uh, Game Boy Advance version. Hmm. Uh, I had the opportunity to play it on the font or the 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 PSP version, but it's not. I I don't know. It was weird. Like the the Game Boy Advance version was closer in terms of like graphics fidel- graphical fidelity uh, the original then yeah so i mean the original obviously th- missing a lot of the colors missing a lot of the backgrounds and yeah. all that other stuff but i i almost felt like it was just truer to the thing and then the PSP version made everybody taller and that i don't to me so there was something to be said about the like the like the I don't know, it was like eight by eight little graphic uh, little sprites or whatever used in like the older Nintendo games uh, for Final Fantasy that was just different I guess. Anyways, I liked it. I liked I mean, it more. For me, I personally, once I saw the PSP one, I'm like, oh, the other one looks terrible. It does, but I also have a special affinity for Game Boy Advance. Actually, one, Game Boy Advance is one of the first systems I bought, uh, or my brother and I bought. Um, so we really liked a lot of the games on there just because. It holds us nostalgia, pretty powerful. No, I get that. Yeah, um, I but like, I, yeah, I feel like we've talked about that before, right? Um, but yeah, so we, uh, yeah, I, I played, I, I played it on that for my my playthrough recently. Um, I will have to admit, though, I didn't get as far as I'd wanted to. I actually wanted to try to complete the game. Well, how far? How far did you get? I actually got. I find I got to a point of where I recovered the Earth Crystal, and. I'm on my way to trying to work on the uh, the water crystal. I think it. Uh, let's just say I spent at least. I think I played the game for like a good eight to ten hours. That's that's just. Um, 
the the hard thing about playing this game, I guess, looking back and then in you know in the in the era we are now, and like me having established all the things that I like about games, is that the story is so lackluster. Um, it's almost like uh, the story was definitely background to them creating a, a system and experimenting with the like the capabilities of of the NES um, and. And like the things that you could do on the NES, uh, that kind of thing. Um, it, yeah, it. The story is very, it's very generic, uh, and I guess I shouldn't have expected much from it. And I, <laughs> I, I think that for me, like I had played Final Fantasy three back in the day, and I know it's a little off topic, but it kind of explains why I didn't like it as much. But I played Final Fantasy three back in the day, and then did, when it was remade, did you play that one first? Before I played Final Fantasy one, yes. Oh. I played Final Fantasy three because I heard about the multi class system and that like blew my mind. But we'll talk about that in the Final <laughs> Fantasy uh, three episode. Um, but yeah, I had played that one, and then when they remade it for DS, um, I had played it again, and I liked that it was like life was bre- breathed into it. Now, when I played the original Final Fantasy one, I kind of liked it back then because that's all I knew it was. And then when I played it on the uh, Game Boy Advance uh, with the Dawn of Souls anthology thing, um, that I was like, oh, this is this is still the same thing, just updated graphics. Which mm. to me, I was I, a part of me. I guess was expecting that maybe they'd breathe a little bit more life into into a pretty stagnant story. Um, but you know, it was kind of par for the course. It was, uh, uh, I don't know. It was <laughs> it was basic. It was all it needed yeah. to be. It was a frame. It was a framework. To be to be honest, that was it was just enough to drive you forward to do the things um also i ran into some of these these things that uh <laughs> you were over at one time there's a section in the first oh. in, the, in the earth dungeon where yeah. i guess there's a bend that if you go around the bend like there's like all every all the pathway around that bend is like every step you find you have find an encounter so i thought that i had a broken version of the game come to find out when you go online everybody experienced that and that was something that was left in the game for some mm. reason um and i don't know if it was ever fixed and it, or yeah. if it was needed i don't know to, I, I mean yeah. i don't know if the psp version was fixed but i, I remember when he was, it was really funny when he was playing it because uh <laughs> every step he took he got into battle and then like when he got out of it he was just like yes he was like so excited they made it out alive yeah oh man once i finally cleared that bend i made sure to write it on a piece of paper or draw it on a piece of paper do not go around this corner <laughs> um or or you're you're in for it um anyways so yeah story-wise it was it was a little lackluster um let's see i feel like you can spoil it well i mean the whole game starts off with like save the princess very very uh very par for the course very for, N- for nes right yeah so wow very nes that's mm-hmm. funny um yeah so it starts off save the princess right and so you and it came out on nintendo it, it, that's why i said so, wow I mean, yeah, yeah. Um, so start off save the princess, she saved the princess really early on. Defeat the the quote unquote big bad guy super mm. early on. And you're almost thinking, Well, I guess this is their final fantasy, you know, because they ain't making nothing else out of this. This this is a pretty short short game, right? Don't give me the opportunity to do all this leveling up and then just end the game like that, right? And this is like in the first hour of the game. So it's I like, think it's the first hour. Okay, maybe first it's like first half an maybe, hour, maybe yeah. ten minutes. I say hour because encounter rate is just a is abysmal in that game. It it really like yeah. saps your your strength in that game. Um, but it 
but also lends that to the to the creed of uh, a lot of NES games were also overly difficult. But it wasn't because they needed to be difficult. It was because the developers wanted to squeeze more time out of the uh, the 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 small games that they were allowed to make with the cartridge space and and the RAM that was you know like the the I don't know the couple uh, kilobytes worth of RAM or whatever that was you know in those systems and things yeah. like that. Um, so it was like trying to lengthen the game time and, and you know, pallets were small cause they didn't have enough space to store all that kind of stuff and all this kind of stuff. Right. Um, and then like, if you think about it, like some of these old games on NES, they take a long time to beat because I think what were you, you were saying something about like the rental process mm-hmm. and, um, and I was thinking something about like, how do you keep a kid in, uh, constantly playing a game and make them fail and then make them learn from their failures. Right. Yeah. Um, so there's like, I feel like there's a lot of, like, there was a lot of balancing going on back then. Ooh, I don't even know if they like thought about, thought that far into it, honestly. Think, you know I what? Mean, Maybe some people did in the development process while other people were like, this is going to be great. They'll play it for a lot yeah, of hours, right? Yeah. I, I think, I think back then, uh, it was, I mean, it was so new, you know, this whole concept and it was just like the wonderment of it all, you know, cause so that's what you're talking about. Uh, I, I, my parents took me every weekend or I think I talked about last year or whatever um but my parents would take me to every weekend and i get a new nintendo game and i had mario brothers and um i had like i had like balloon fight if you ever played that game um never did god so good um i like the music from the game though yeah and then i had i had like legend of zelda and we had punch out and you know the all the uh probably like a, a few of the classics some of them you know on the classic nes but uh, I rented Final Fantasy One, and like it was it was Mario, Zelda, and then that those stuck with me big time when I was a kid. I wanted the, I I probably you know like you know kids today they'll play Skyrim and they'll beat Skyrim like twenty times because you know they have so much free time. Well, that was me. I beat Final Fantasy One like so many times because that's all I had. That's crazy to me. I feel like I man. I feel like this episode is going to be not only just the the origins of Final Fantasy, but the origins of us playing video games. Yeah, well, I mean, kind of. I mean, I uh, mean, this is such an old game, you know. Like, yeah, in I mean, a way. back on NES, I was playing things like Track and Field. I was playing Duck Hunt. I was playing. I mean, these are all like mad basic games. Mm-hmm. Um, playing uh, Super Mario Brothers. Well, it's different for you. Well, I mean, I don't know. Did you were you actually able to play these games before the PlayStation came out? Yeah, no, no. We were a gaming family. My dad okay. bought the the Nintendo Super Nintendo, and then bought Sega okay. Genesis. So we played the games back then. It's just I never got. We didn't get RPGs. We weren't got into it. those things back then. So it was like that. Then the Super Mario Brothers. Then it was Super Mario Brothers two. No, we did not play two. We played three, and we got three from a yard sale. Mm-hmm. And three was probably my favorite Super Mario game of all time. It's yes. such a good game. <laughs> um. And then, like, and then we went off into then Super NES came out, and then it was just like everything from there. Like, it was a uh, we did the Street Fighter, we did the the Killer Instinct. I mean, mind you, those fighting games are probably what more established than Tekken did. But right. we like like solidified those things uh, after my mom bought Tekken, and I think she bought it probably because we already played fighting games. Um, anyway, so. Yeah, like I played a lot of other games that were not RPGs until seven, and yeah, so I never really kind of I never got the experience. Like I didn't play Chrono Trigger until I emulated it, and that was after Final Fantasy seven when I discovered 
or Final Fantasy VII and then Xenogears, and then I discovered that Squaresoft is a company I want to follow, and so then I went back and you know, I that I, see for me that's so bizarre because because uh, I mean Seven is such a it's such a good game and it's a really good like entry point for a lot of people, yeah. and I think we'll talk about it a lot more in that episode. Oh, yeah. yeah, it's, it's I definitely a, want to talk about like trying, so much, to, trying to understand why that one's so much so accessible. Yeah, you know, I, and it could also be branding, marketing. It could be like a lot of things yeah. that got it out in, in front of people's faces back in the day. Also, one of the things my dad will always tell you is the, what is the greatest things about it is the FMVs. It blew everybody's mind. But we'll save that. Yeah. <laughs> we'll, um, jumping ahead. Jumping a little um, ahead. Yeah. I, I do want. I, I do want to go back a little bit to what I was talking about when I was a kid. Like, like there was no other games out there that were that that were telling a story. And that was what was so, or, or just the level of, of exploration. Like Zelda, you know, you you explored and you went down these dungeons. Yeah. But there was just something about like, like it had this like quest feel, you know, like I remember the three, oh shoot, or there's like nine, whatever the guys with the squid faces. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, yeah, they dumped, mine, they dumped some players. of that stuff down. Yeah, they yeah, dumped the some of that players. stuff on the, the Game Boy. Oh man, that was, I, that was like when I first started playing that game, that, area was so ridiculously hard yeah i remember but, when i got to it you were like oh this guy's gonna kick your butt and i like beat him in like <laughs> like two well, rounds yeah, of combat because <laughs> when I back, well i mean i played when i was like seven but uh right. but um yeah it, it was uh it was just so cool like i just went to these people and they're like oh my gosh we we need whatever's from there to save us and i was like well of course i'm gonna go down there and help you guys you know of course and, but uh, it was just <laughs> anything I could do to help. <laughs> <laughs> it was just such wonderment there. Yeah. And then, uh, and I just remember when I got like the the class change, you know, later on. And I haven't that gotten that blew. yet, and I'm just oh like, really yeah, and I'm just like I was I've been waiting so much for for class changes because I, every time like I look at reviews for the games, that's a lot of times people say that that's where the game gets like really <laughs> fucking good. Oh my gosh. So I remember uh, getting down to the 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 nine mind flayers, and I just remember like, first of all, like I had to do it so many times; it was just ridiculously hard for me. And save points are very sparse back in the day. And save part, yeah, points are very sparse. But I wanted to get like I wanted to explore every single room because there could be a treasure in there, and 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 yeah. that was like that was also mind blowing to me that there were so was... many places to explore. That was one of the things I actually did not like about it is every time I did it, like I'm a big fan of like rewarding the player for getting like for doing the extra exploration, and that game just constantly just goes, here's a little gold. <laughs> yeah, but you, like I said, you played it when you're a little bit older, like yeah. from and and that was so new, and uh, it was it was so exciting, like that people these NPCs were asking me to do something for them, and I'm like, yes, I'll do that for you, of course. Um, yeah, for me that's that's the biggest part and then it got to a point where uh you you your character class upgrades or whatever and i was just like oh, i just remember i was i was so excited for it and i was like oh my gosh like nobody can beat me now these monsters have nothing on me and then it didn't really change anything right <laughs> um speaking of uh speaking of characters were there anything any that actually stood out in the game to you because like as I was playing it, I didn't like. There wasn't anything that like, actually, other than Garland just being kind of like this, like this cool, like kick butt kind of character. Um, like I, I don't kick butt character. like. I, oh, you know what? Actually, like the fiends were kind of cool looking. 
Yeah, the but, fiends are awesome. Uh, I mean, I mean, but like in they, terms of characters, like I didn't feel like the game had like any like notable characters. Everybody was just kind of well. There somebody was those spouting 13, a line. There was the thirteen elders that you know that told you how to get to the airship or whatever. I'm not there yet. Uh, or no, dude, I just spoiled the game for you. I'm not gonna. <laughs> oh man 1987 you spoil the games <laughs> well i mean part of this podcast is is whether or not we recommend it by today's standards oh. so we're totally spoiling it for these people that we're gonna re- recommend it to nah. we're no nah. um i do i mean i feel like people who listen to this episode other than just listening to it for us like they're most people have either already played it or yeah. they're just like i just want to know that this seems interesting you know it is i would not play it on nes but first of all the nes uh, version is broken yes oh my oh the, the targeting thing in the nes was the most explain that so okay so modern rpg convention says that if you attack somebody or you schedule an attack for somebody right that if that person dies before that attack occurs on them it'll just move to the next by bi- next person in, in the, or next enemy in the queue right in the original nes version if you attacked somebody and it didn't hit it said uh um not missed. It doesn't actually say missed. It said uh, something like undefined or something like that. Or oh gosh, it just says missed. I don't. Maybe it says missed. In the original, it just says missed. Okay. Anyways, so pretty much they they didn't have uh, like a queue system or whatever for for the way attacks work like that. Um. So that was that was a little that was a little crazy. Um. I don't know any of the. Do you know any of the other bugs that were in the game? Yeah. <laughs> well, there's a few of them. There's like. And uh, I actually looked up from a website called Uprocks, and we're still not really sure if we have to say that in the actual podcast. No, you can say it. Say but it. I'll say it anyway. Um, so it turns out a good portion of the status-changing spells uh, did absolutely nothing, or they had the complete opposite effect, such as uh, if you were supposed to make it so that um, it increase or decreases the evade of of a or decreases the evade of the character or something like that yeah it would actually make it so it's easier to hit them is that right i think i said it backwards but i think you can get the idea yeah um there's also i noticed there was a, like a lot sorry there's a lot of status spells when i was playing the game yeah. that i just didn't use yeah they're pointless i was just because well, like, they're broken yeah well i mean i didn't i just didn't use them because i didn't see okay so we can talk a little bit about just RPG uh, attack me- or mechanics in general, okay. but like I always think, and especially nowadays, I think one of the biggest modern conventions is to not include things that uh, that wouldn't draw the attention of the player to actually use it. You know, so say for instance, like these ones are lowering lowering the evasion of a target, right? Because the game doesn't clearly define how evasion really works, it to me seemed like a broken just a uh, a broken status effect in general so say for instance if you put uh if you put blind in a game where accuracy is determined by some random thing that you don't have access to then the player will be less likely or less uh i don't know they'll be less attracted to a skill that Mm -hmm. causes blind because to them it's a waste of turns and I felt like that the st- a lot of the status effects were a waste of turn. Now, if I had a weapon that gave me like a poison hit, then maybe I might be more adapt or I might be more attentive to like actually doing regular attacks to cause poison. But I wouldn't waste a turn just casting poison if poison only casts poison and does no damage. A lot of games nowadays, like uh, Dragon Quest Eleven, um, they'll have like poison strike, which is actual an attack, but it could have a 
you know, it could have a status element. Right, to it. right. And that's what I'm saying. Like, the uh, the problem with Final Fantasy 1 is that a lot of it was just status effects are very much separate. They don't do mm-hmm. any damage. They, but, and to me, it just felt like a waste of turn. So it was better for me to stock up with just pure elemental attacks. So you want to have your, your blizzards and your fires and your... And your lightnings, because you know some you you know you can did, kill a whole group. Did with them. you? Was there so in that Game Boy version? Was there MP? Yes, it was MP and not not charges like the original. Yeah, in the very first one, rather in the original, um, and I don't remember how it, it basically was a tier system, and like so, ice one would be tier one, yeah. And as you level up or you increase your tiers, like the lower tier ones would, you know, you start at like, you could do three level or tier one spells and then eventually you can get the 10. Right. Um, But everything was divided by these tiers. And like when you got tier eight, I'm pretty sure you could only do that once. Like, you know, unless you went to an inn, which is. Oh my gosh. Well, if you think about it, because, you know, and I'm going to go back to three again real quick because they use the same thing in three. Uh, I did yeah. not know that. Yeah, they did the same like charges system, and one of the things that that I think that that does, and I think in my original playthrough or original partial playthrough, of, I don't think I've ever beat Final Fantasy One. I, I don't think I've ever just had the the gumption to fully beat it. So you've never seen the? I think it's the Omega weapon. No, I think. Oh my gosh, we'll um, talk about that in a second. Yeah. So one of the things that um, one of the things that I liked about it is it did kind of make you. Like think about your usage. I feel like the 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 implement uh, imp- implementation of MP started to kind of make it to where you can always refill that. Um, also, they didn't really make ether. The ether, yeah, I don't think ether were, was not part of it. Right. So you there was no way to refill it. So you like you're you're managing yourself. You're making sure that the class that you give your character. It's the reason why Red Mage was so popular back in the day is because he could attack high, but he could also do magic. Which would allow him to do it, attack like large groups of people. But what was the, what was the drawback? He can only use certain levels of spells. Yeah, he can only get the certain tier. Right, which which is fine. I think um, one of the big things about that again, like it's all this managing that was going on, which, like you were saying earlier, may not have been the original like intent, intent of it. Yeah, but it worked. It worked in this way that kind of lended a little bit of strategy to it, but again, back in the day, that's not my that wasn't my intent. I wanted a good story. I wanted, I wanted like uh, flowing mechanics, and it did feel so. It, it like it's, I keep on saying stagnant. I think that's kind of my general term for Final Fantasy One. Is it was a very stagnant RPG. Like it had everything that makes a good RPG without the the fluff. Well, well now that I know that you've been spoiled, you were spoiled by Final Fantasy Seven before playing Final Fantasy One. I mean. Yeah. <laughs> it's is a completely different experience. True, but um, one of the things that I, you know, that I that I like to like to put out there is that I've always been a like uh, an analyzer of games. So it's never been like whether it be that I started with seven or started with one. Um, I've always been that person that say, for instance, when I play Duck Hunt or when I play Super Mario Brothers. Um, like I would look at like I would want to open up the the little gun to, to figure out how the whole light thing works, right? Like I I, I <laughs> for real yeah, but that's just uh, that's I, me. I the same. So I see the uh, the wireless Nintendo controller. Mm-hmm. Um, I actually rage quit. I might maybe I was like one of the first rage quitters, but I rage quit. And, sure, I'm uh, sure you're not. <laughs> there, not. There's always Atari, and I'm sure somebody's rage quit Pong and whatnot. And uh, I actually. I actually threw it against the wall, and then since it broke, I was like, 
Well, I am really curious, like how this works. And I, I do. Okay, so I do remember taking it apart. Um. So, th- so there's those thing, those kinds of things. But I've always been really analytical about the things that I played, no matter what it's been, and 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 things like that. I was not. So yeah, the, that's a big difference between us when it comes to <laughs> the games. Because I do it. I do it a lot. A lot of times passively. It's just kind of something that happens in my brain. I'd be like, I wonder why they they made this choice, or it should be easy enough to do this. Oh, it's probably because they arrange these things into a set a separate array, so they can't actually like pull this whenever they're when they're uh uh when when the when the query is asking for this or whatever. Blah mm-hmm. blah blah. Like I'm think I'm thinking about those things all the time. So whenever I after when I started playing Final Fantasy one, I, I think a lot of it was like I wonder what they could have done. I wonder. That's why I said it's like it's a very solid mostly solid built game mm. but i feel like all the things like the status effects and maybe the like i said the attack cue uh, programming were kind of afterthoughts it was like we already finished the base system we need to put this out plus if we, if we ever when we talk about the the history of how the game came out like it is kind of one of those things where they made a good base game they figured out the mechanics and then they made you know made the quote-unquote story and so, create uh, the world, and then they had to get it out the door because they need to make money. So you got a nice little segue for me because you're talking about the history of the game coming out. Yeah. And uh, so I got a few more little facts. Um, so apparently, so do you know what? Mm-hmm. So do you know what it was originally supposed to be called? Like, um, I don't remember. It's Final something though. <laughs> no, Fighting Fantasy. Final fa- Fighting Fantasy. Yeah. <laughs> what a terrible name. Um, but the reason why, but you know why it was, they yeah. ended up calling it Final Fantasy though, right? Yes, because it was, like I said, there was like their last attempt. They were like, we're pretty much about to go under. We got to figure out a... So I guess there's debate between whether or not it was Sakaguchi that it was his last attempt or if it was, um, the Square. Companies. Yeah. Yeah. Actually going to go bankrupt. Uh, but actually, so, uh, Sakaguchi actually wanted to make a RPG for a really long time mm-hmm. and Squaresoft was like you know this isn't going to make us any money and then all of a sudden dragon quest came out and they're like all right do your thing and you know then that part's history um yeah also if you really i mean a lot of the when i when you talk about like him wanting to do it it's all based on his love for games like ultima and wizardry and and like western rpgs which was crazy to think about it that I, i swear and th- I hope this doesn't come across as racist, but I swear the Japanese, they just do everything that we do better. There's no, like, in general, like, music-wise, video games, uh, TV, uh, freaking movies. Wow. I mean, I mean, honestly, that that, that comes down to opinion, you know. No one's going to share that same opinion. Yeah, I've, man. I've I've looked so at a, I've that's looked Will's at, opinion. That's my definitely yeah. my opinion. Well, I, the reason why I was saying I wonder if it comes across as racist because then it kind of generalizes what Japanese people do. But then again, I think it's praise, so it doesn't really matter. Oh, does, would it be racist if it's praise? I don't, I don't really. I don't know. I don't. I don't know either. There's either no way, actual rule book out there in the world, right? So. Yeah. Um, well, again, I, I I will praise them for always taking, or not for always taking stuff from us and making it better. But I think for it's a taking, level of intentions being pure. Yeah. Well, I mean, again, I'm, you're praising. I'm praising them. Yeah. Um, but yeah, so like the fact that he took it from things that we that we in the in the in the, in the West consider to be, you know, like our our way of dealing with these things, and they were like, oh, you know what, I'm gonna do it this way, and then somehow. They became the predominant like RPGs in the world, 
But then, you yeah, know, it's kind of crazy. It is crazy. I didn't really think about that. Yeah, aspect. and the, and then wizardry and and the other things are kind of based in like the the D and D thing, yeah. like which is again a western um, a western RPG thing. Which, to be honest, I don't know the full history of RPGs in Japan. So for all I know, they have other board games and and pen and paper oh, things okay, that yeah. they may they before may video games. You mean right? Yeah. I mean, think about well, Nintendo I mean, in general. If, they're if they're talking about you know they hey they took D and D they took ultima and whatnot yeah but again there's still like i said there could be a history of other games that are there that may have also influenced those things or influenced the popularity of those kinds of things in in japan which i don't know again but i mean uh, every report that i've read about it is that they was heavily influenced by the games that were influenced by dnd so in turn one else what like so you want to know where the battle system was influenced by it was also from america Hmm. so it's actually it was the battle system was actually inspired by American football. I did read something yeah. about that a long time ago. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So weird. So do you well, okay. It's like the turn, it's like the it's a mm-hmm. the, the ebb and flow. It's yeah. yeah. It, and it's a thing that like it, it evolved into what we have now in right. turn based battles. And even now, you know, even with like the action based battle, it's still about ebb and flow. It's about a resource that goes down that can be replenished. So it, weird that that yeah yeah oh I mean I tell I talk to you all the time whenever Man, I'm I love making football when I make I I like I like football um <laughs> when I talk about making of destiny and fate and I always talk about the flow of battle mm-hmm. I talk about game mechanics it's it's the reason why I'm really passionate about about video game mechanics is because I like that it it, it has so many similarities in my opinion because I am also a music producer that like to music and like you have you you create rhythm in the battle system and if if uh if the if the rhythm of your battle system is wildly staccato which is just the like the those mm-hmm. kind of, the notes that are like they they hit and then they disappear right if you have a battle system like that it's less interesting as opposed to when you have a battle system which kind of feels like uh it feels like a wave you know you have like your it's ups. Kenny G really boring um more like Boney James I'm not really a huge fan of Kenny G but <laughs> I don't like um yeah, or 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 Najee. We talked about this in another podcast when we were Did talking. Did we really? About, yeah, when know. we were talking about uh, calling it the Smooth Jazz Podcast, my <laughs> oh, favorite geez. artist. And jazz. Yeah. Oh, and so <laughs> uh, regarding that Smooth Jazz Podcast. Um, okay. So since we're talking about this stuff, actually, so Will composes the the music for uh, our podcast. Yes, I do. Along with his friend Chris. Mm-hmm. Um, so, so I was surprised you didn't like compose some jazz for the Smooth Jazz Podcast. Um, so I, uh, <laughs> I did somewhat jazz for those episodes. Um, I used saxophones, which are yeah, okay. predominant in jazz. Um, so it was jazz influence, but I myself am not a jazz artist yeah. and I would never pretend to be because jazz artists are on a level creatively beyond, I think where I am at currently. I think maybe one day I might be able to get there, but a lot of these people classically trained, but also right. they... They, that makes sense. They're, they're they're born with this ability to to interpret music in a different way and and wildly improvise savants uh, well savants are people typically that have one talent yeah. and they yeah, yeah, lack yeah. most other things in life right um yeah like me <laughs> well you have no talent okay <laughs> <laughs> no i was playing um uh, uh, yeah. so well since okay so two things uh i'm gonna i'm gonna plug ourselves mm-hmm. uh so um will has actually been the editor uh for our podcast and then i've kind of been the producer kind of providing the content just so you guys know 
Sure. <laughs> it's just it's just the two of us. And uh and since we're talking about music, um how long do you think it took uh Umatsu no how you say his first name? Nobuo Uematsu. Okay. How Probably long? one of my favorite music music composers of all time. How long do you think it took him to compose the the prelude music for Final Fantasy? So in the notes, I've already noticed what it was, ah. but before that, I already knew what it was okay. because I, again, because I'm a huge fan of him, mm. I've done the research for it. Uh, but if you'd like to say the number. Oh, so it's five minutes, which is just insane to me. So the prelude is very, and you know what? Actually, let me pause for half a second. That's the prelude. Um, I'll, yeah. It's like, if you really think about it, it's super simple. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's very simple. Um, and like, it's kind of a natural progression. Mm-hmm. And it's, I don't, I don't know. The, you just kind of go up the keyboard, down the keyboard. Yeah. Up the keyboard, down the keyboard. But it's iconic now. Mm-hmm. And if you think about it, yeah, most people be like, it's been done before. It's it's inspired by classical music, blah blah blah. But it, it's inspired by, and every everybody likes to say in music that everything that has been done has been done before, right? And even though it probably has been done before, it has been done in a separate song. Actually, there's uh, people that have looked into it. You can find some '80s songs that actually have somewhat no, the really? prelude in them. Mm-hmm. Um, it, one of it, one of my favorite songs by him, uh, or like everybody's favorite song, the One Winged Angel in Final Fantasy VII, mm-hmm. was heavily inspired, like uh, by uh, not Santana. It was uh, I think it was like Led Zeppelin and something else. And then the way huh. he the way he wrote it was that he literally just wrote a whole bunch of sections and just kind of pieced them together like a jigsaw puzzle. And then, boom, we have the One Winged Angel, which was, again, one of the greatest songs he's ever composed for the Final Fantasy series, even though other other ones actually won awards. I actually just so. I just read, uh, I don't remember where I read it, but I actually read that his favorite one was actually, of all the Final Fantasy games, was actually Aerith's uh, theme. Another very good theme. Yeah. Emotionally provocative writing and stuff like that. Anyways, so... We could probably have a whole episode on Nobuo Matsu's music, and I would love <laughs> to actually do maybe a whole month on his music. Yeah. But I will probably, you know what? Actually, you know what I'll do after this episode, I will pick a song from the Final Fantasy one, and I'll do a very short, like fifteen minute thing about oh, um, okay. about about the That'd about be the song, cool. and maybe try to do that for the other other games. If there's oh, he, never mind, there's songs I like. It you know, I was thinking about the the uh, the prelude song and the whole theme of crystals. Mm-hmm. and uh it really i mean really like I've, just, I've always associated it but then if you really think about how like it goes up it goes down it's almost like it's almost like light on a crystal and like you know like it, it's, it's it, the crystal turning and sometimes it's it gives that it, it gives that impression of that the twinkling sound that's always associated with like when you see like a a cave of crystals mm-hmm. when they walk into it the crystals don't make those sounds yeah but uh, common or most media will always give it like a so like there's like a the the prelude theme embodies that and again it's all up to interpretation it's not saying that he wrote it specifically because it sounds like how a diamond glistens or whatever but maybe he did maybe that's what he was thinking about but I mean for me it's always been that way it's always been like this completely embodies that every Final Fantasy is about crystals it might be like a crystal or crystal a chicken and egg type thing it could be yeah um, 
but yeah, no, I I just really yeah, that's a, that's a it's a really iconic theme, and I I love it, I love it. So, uh, you ever played a dating sim game? I have never played a dating sim game because I think th- I think they're weird. I de- that simple simple as that. I I think that there's so something you, weird the way, about the way you say it is. In my opinion, that's why I, I said I think. I okay, think, I think they're weird. But if you need it to be more defined, in my opinion, dating sims are one of the weirdest genre of games because to me, it's. <laughs> like, I don't, you know, I was thinking about that. It's like it's, simulating like you're dating a computer, though, because you know it's. Well, you've the, seen her. I haven't seen her. Oh my gosh, her is like one of my favorite games or favorite favorite movies. I love I that movie. Seen it's it. Okay. I need to see it. Um, yeah. Anyways, so I think, but it is interesting though because her is on Netflix. It's it stars <laughs> Scarlett Johansson as a computer voice and Joaquin Phoenix as a as a, Joker. <laughs> hey, um, and the. Uh, and uh, as a as a I think I want to say he's like a programmer or something like that. Oh. Um, but yeah, that is some random dude. really good movie. Uh, uh, you see it. It's on so, Netflix. <laughs> so I well, I was I was just thinking about it, and and honestly, maybe like it might be appealing to someone that's probably like 10, 11, 12, 13, okay. where like that probably is still like a bit of a mystery to them. You know that whole world of like how do I talk to a girl and all that. Yeah, but I hope you don't learn anything from that. The whole reason that I uh, I brought this up because apparently uh, Sakaguchi like that was one of his first games was it and he might have been like the pioneer for making dating sim games and the the one he made was actually uh, it was a you had the um, the the goal was to get a date with one of the one of the major idols at that time and I don't really know how this described Japanese idols. Um, they are because are they? They're they're not really singers though. They're just they're singers. Oh, they are singers. They're sing. They're oh. performers. But okay, they, they're just. But okay. they're um, if you think about it, like they're they're like pop singers here, but they they actually occupy a uh, a part in society. They're yeah. not not only do they just uh not only do they just sing and have to give somewhat positive messages for kids to listen to and blah mm-hmm. blah blah blah, but they also they kind of embody in uh, like the virtues and the and purity. The, I think some of them do, or most of them do. But I think there are like some for 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 young adults kind of thing. So yeah. the, they or they appeal to certain groups. But typically, they uh, either they they use for campaigns for certain things. But they usually always have to to deal with like encouraging certain virtues that are considered good and things like that. So say for instance, you know. Um, maybe they're talking about not smoking, or maybe they're talking about uh, I don't, I don't know, something that's unsafe in society or whatever. But but like little things like that. But it's usually like integrated into their into their entertainment. <laughs> so they're like, so they're like, are you thinking about smoking? I'm an idol. I don't smoke. Exactly. They're, Why they're kind you of want like, to be like me? And I mean, here that that is what I gather from what I have seen and from what I have looked at myself. But I do not know fully how it integrates in society. But I just if you know, want to give us list, listener mail telling us the real way, uh, you can email us at uh, nvgpodcast at gmail.com. So we'll put that in the description. <laughs> well, so we should take a break just because we've been talking a long time.
Yeah, for approximately 1,635 bars. <laughs> what? Are we, we going to take a break? Yeah, why not? Okay, let's take a break. We're back. Yep, so uh, <laughs> go on and... <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> We're back. Let's do this. <laughs> so whatever uh, that product that uh, we just sponsored, yeah, you should go buy that. Or use our promo code or whatever it is. To yeah, use our promo code, too. For stuff. <laughs> and things. <laughs> Just type NVG into every little promo code thing possible. And, and let's see if we eventually can get that. They're going to have to give us a sponsorship. <laughs> yeah, that's what it is. <laughs> Why do they keep like, typing this in? Maybe we should get in contact with them. Who is this NVG thing? <laughs> uh, so... Getting back to really kind of diving back into Final Fantasy and uh, like kind of what we thought of it. Do we refer to it as Final Fantasy or Final Fantasy One? Because I mean, at the time it was just Final Fantasy, but I now it has Fantasy. it's Final Fantasy One. It it's Final Fantasy. Okay. Okay. Cool. 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 That was a long pause. <laughs> it was a pregnant pause. Hey, bringing it back. Callback from season one. <laughs> So, uh, so something that I never even ran into the first time I played it, and I guess gamers call it the Peninsula of Power. I still don't know what that is, so he's going to explain it to me. So, um, this is, so it's, it's east, like northeast of where you get, I'm pretty sure this is where it is. I'm really just kind of going off of guessing from past experience. Oh, very Um, informative. (laughs) But I'm pretty sure it's northeast of where you get the the ship and you fight the pirates and everything. Mm -hmm. And there's like a little tip of a uh, northern tip of a peninsula. It's a section where you actually fight uh, monsters that that were supposed to be uh, later in the game. Mm -hmm. Uh, You're actually only supposed to be able to fight them once you get the airship. But just like that, probably that little cavern area where you have to fight all these monsters. Mm Um you know some error in the code and is it just like a high frequency or is it ju- or is it just or is it just really strong monsters strong monsters so they just give you a lot of experience yeah they gold give you a ton of experience and then i've i've never ran into this apparently in some town there's an invisible woman that you can run into and talk to and everyone thought it was supposed to be some ghost but then someone used game genie and made it so that they pop up and i don't know that's really not that important I feel like it is important, and now I want to put that in my game. <laughs> but what is important is kind of it's kind of going back to how we how we felt about this game. So we were talking about how it, it was just kind of different experiences, you know. Like for Will, it's just what is this? Where, where did this Final, where did this Final Fantasy thing originate? And for me, it was just it was the start of everything, you know. And um, yeah, I actually don't know where to go now. <laughs> no it definitely was a start it was a start uh really actually it was a nice uh like reintroduction to the final fantasy series for plus, you yeah plus it encouraged me to play all of them um except for five which my brother played a lot of but i will be playing it for for that for that uh, that episode um I, I final fantasy 2 as well i just couldn't get into it all that that keyword system which Have we'll fun, talk man. about in that episode but yeah i will play that though soon <laughs> i'm burdening Burdening? Is that the right word? I don't know. Uh, I'm putting the burden on Will to play Final Fantasy 2. Because I played it before and I don't really want to play it again. 
Okay, I'll I'll play it. I mean, I'm I'm down for the crown. You know what I'm saying? So, spoiler for the Final Fantasy II podcast of whether or not we recommend it by today's standards. I'm gonna go. Who back. knows? I'm gonna bite. Who knows? Yeah, who not knows? a spoiler because I I could I could greatly enjoy it and have to explain to you why I enjoy, why I enjoy it. Well, then yeah. I did not enjoy it, but we'll find out what Will thinks. I mean, you could have just avoided not saying that altogether, and then. <laughs> <laughs> you know, I hear spoiling podcast. <laughs> it's gonna be a month before they hear that episode, but okay, cool. So I will talk about one more thing about the Final Fantasy games. Is it's kind of crazy, like all the stuff they actually did establish in that first game, that still holds true to all the ones later on. You know, like they had, um, like the the earth the earth elemental creature and stuff like that, and the mm-hmm. fire one, and not just that, like all these monsters that they had in the original games like they still have them in right. all the later iterations yeah if anything they just kind of expanded on the on the bestiary of um, course but sh- one of the big things that if you notice if you look at a lot of the monsters and their names and things uh, especially in the game Boy advanced version they actually have a, a bestiary built into the into the game mm-hmm. um a lot of the names and everything are taken from other cultures mythologies and things like that so yeah i was about they, to say they're that. technically not, oh sorry my bad no um they're technically not really like final fantasy monsters but there are certain things that they turned into final fantasy monsters say for instance like, like the design yeah like yeah. so in like D D, like the sahuagin are are like what the, what the heck is are that? what we call in final fantasy the sahagin which are just like like mer people or whatever, right? S A H A G I N Sahagin. Yeah, but I think they're they're written a certain a different Sounds way. Sounds like an ice cream brand in D and D. But I think even D and D might have borrowed it from somebody else too. Um, it's one of the nice things I love about D and D is that they just have such a wide breadth of, of monsters. And I think Final Fantasy was really good for pulling a lot of their things from 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 everywhere else because again i mean i'm sure it's also legal um so a lot of these are kind of open properties or whatever right like say for instance you can use the like shiva as a summon not because first of all because nobody owns shiva but also because they differentiate their shiva from what it is in like the hindu religion um and that's like a like a six-armed goddess or eight-armed goddess or whatever Mm -hmm. and it's only depicted as this ice goddess and in all Final Fantasy, but they use the name Shiva, and it's I guess instantly like relatable that it exists or whatever. Oh, this is a goddess. Yeah, you know, that makes sense. Why would why I would summon them to do ex, uh, an extreme amount of damage or whatever? And maybe they read further into the text that actually define um, Shiva in, in the Hindu religion, and maybe that's how they got the ice thing or whatever. Um, uh, Ifrit is considered, I think, a jinn in. I can't remember what religion it is. Anyways, there's like all the, all these other things. I love the way they they made monsters in those games. Um, and I like how they borrowed from other things. And uh, yeah, that definitely influenced the way I built monsters in the games that I've done. Um, and and sometimes like I I almost like I like their their homage to themselves in in later iterations of the games where they'd be like, okay, so this is a monster we constantly use back in the old Final Fantasy, but we don't want to actually make that monster again, so we're gonna actually name a weapon after that monster or something like that. Oh uh, yeah. Um, like That's... like there's a sword called the Iron Giant, but it's because there's a monster called the Iron Giant that carries a big sword around. So then you would assume it's just a big sword that was held the Iron Giant. So I in in my game there's a sword called the Iron Giant, and it's just a reference to that because I'm never going to feature. I don't want that thing in my game because it's not, it wouldn't fit. Kinda with weird. Yeah. It wouldn't fit. Right. It's just kind of cool. 
But if it's, it's kind of all, it's it's kind of, it's kind of cool. Also, the iteration of in Final Fantasy Fifteen was a really good iteration. I think. Yeah, yeah. it was pretty awesome. Um, but yeah, we're did all. They a, did they have the Omega weapon in Final Fantasy Fifteen? Um, I think in after Royal Edition, it added uh, there was like an Omega type weapon in the uh in the extra area they added for for Insomnia. So, do you know where the, you find the Omega weapon in Final Fantasy One? No. There's a corridor at the very end of the game. Okay. You go in this corridor, and it's right before you fight Garland. And it's a random encounter, and that's the only place you can run into him. Is in that corridor. And he's ridiculously strong. Wait, so on your way to the last boss, there's a possibility you could die because you fought the ultimate weapon. Yeah, Omega, Omega weapon. Yeah, and that's what happened to me, where you're going through this dungeon, and then I got there, and that thing is ridiculously powerful. Seems like a like a poor choice, but you know, I guess like I I could be mistaken. Maybe it's a maybe it was a good choice. For me. Yeah, it's a jerk move, I think. Which I mean, we've had. Did we? We actually didn't get into this conversation. We wanted to talk, or you want to talk about this in the Kingdom Hearts uh, episode about ultimate weapons. Mm-hmm. Um, in like having having think... having obtained an ultimate weapon like after the game is done, which yeah. like doesn't lend to that... being a Definitely doesn't do. happen in that game. Yeah, oh, one of the things I liked about Final Fantasy uh, One is that I, oh, I did the pause because you did the pause. Um, <laughs> the, is that a lot of like they give you a lot of weapons? My goodness, mm. um, th- that was I, I got just getting out of the 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 Earth Cave. I got the the Rune Blade, the Coral Blade, the Wyvern Blade, the the White Blade. Um, there's like all. W I G H T, I think, or because uh, it's it's better against undeads or something like that. Mm. But it was like they give you so many like so many weapons. But I guess that's also emblematic of the fact that they like uh, there was just so much things they were experimenting with. Because you, the only way you would know if something's undead or if it was considered a flying monster, or if it's considered uh, an ice monster or whatever, is by looking at its color scheme or just assuming a zombie is undead so then yeah um which you know i forgot about that aspect yeah because they're well i mean that comes from D D too you know like uh, monsters have elemental weaknesses and right that applies to those games as well i mean it's i don't know if it's necessarily a complaint about the game um but just not defining those things for me was a little i guess because i actually it's weird. I like tough games, but I'm so pampered by the incredible games like Persona Five. No, um, I'm so pampered by games that uh, that give you like uh, so much information to to handle the situations that you're going into. Like Persona and Five. I'm not talking about Persona Five, <laughs> um, but like so. It's one of the things that uh, that that so like they never tell you if a zombie is considered undead, mind you common sense says it's undead right or skeletons considered undead or uh, or a ghoul is considered undead so you you know these things or you should know these things but back in the day i don't think i would know that i've played enough rpgs to know that they are but yeah but here's the thing like it's it's a level of uh how first of all how intuitive is it but then the second part is you know like it's that trade-off because people you know like well where's my where's my challenge right and the other ones are you know like where's my challenge why are you holding my hand mm-hmm. and then you know there's the same aspect of like well this really isn't intuitive i it probably makes sense if you give me a little bit more information right 
It actually make, it makes complete sense. That's why I said it's not a criticism of the game. It's just it's very emblematic of the times that they just created a game and uh, it's it's up to the player to figure it out. Um, <clears throat> they did make every, a lot of things kind of intuitive. Like I said, the color schemes kind of gave away whether a monster might have been like an ice monster or something like that. Like yeah. if, it, if it was a giant, sometimes they would just be real simple about it. When you target it, it says ice giant. And you're like, oh, he must be weak against fire. You know, that kind of thing. That's pretty intuitive. Um, <laughs> well, I mean, that's what, uh, it's kind of one of the things I did like about a lot of those games back then is that they had like, you have like a fire, a water, a lightning, an earth, uh, uh, an ice. Like they had all these elements, but then you also had, you had a flying, you had an undead, you had a giant, you had... Um, I don't That's know. True. You had a mole people. You had a, and you had a, you had a weapon that was extre- <laughs> that was yeah. that was strong against yeah. mole people, giants, spiders, specifically spiders like crab you know, people. Right. Like this weapon is, is is effective against all coral creatures. So you now you're thinking, okay, does the does a crab reside in the coral or is it considered a beach creature? <laughs> you know what I mean? Yeah. But a lot of them kind of it felt like it was just it was left up to you to just kind of kind of make the common sense of it or nice if you could have switched your weapon during battle though so i think in the game boy advance version you can oh um there um and then there's other things like where they'd be like oh this weapon's super effective against heavy foes and then i was like first of all screw you i don't know how much everything weighs um (laughs) but i don't think that was in final fantasy one this is i think it was another game altogether that i played and i was like really guys no, I think it was Pokemon, and then I found out that you could actually see the weight of Pokemon in the in the Pokedex, which I didn't know about. And you're gonna go see Pokemon? Ah, uh, for sure. Um, when are you seeing it? I'm gonna probably not this weekend. Probably next weekend, sure. or even maybe on a Tuesday while I'm while I'm while I'm in Kent. Um, just giving away all my location. <laughs> um, <laughs> um, no, but like it, like it was one of those things where like the. Actually, that was an instance where they give you the information, but they don't yeah. quite tell you that this is going to be important. There's going to be attack that's effective against, uh, more effective against light enemies than it is against heavy enemies or whatever. And I was like, oh, that's that that's that's pretty neat. Like, because you know that each of these monsters, like the tables that build the monster stats, actually have these in it, yeah. so they can reference anything. They could reference the nature of the Pokemon. They could reference the element, their specific stats, like their their turn order or whatever like all those crazy things and i was like man the, this these are good game mechanics what's better final fantasy or pokemon the first final fantasy or the first pokemon or what yes are we? um i actually would have to go with pokemon red <laughs> yeah probably uh, um but also if again i've never played it so oh if you think about it final fantasy came out a little bit earlier yeah. and then pokemon came was- out on the the game boy um, I wonder when Pokemon did originally come out. Probably Pokemon like Red, the nineties, sometime in the nineties, I would imagine. Yeah. I mean, um, so it's so crazy, like, like it's so crazy that Pokemon is still popular. And it's a little weird we're talking about. Excuse me, Pokemon on the uh, Final Fantasy podcast, but I mean, realistically, like, Final Fantasy was the inspiration for so many different games. Yeah. I mean, aside from not actually like inspiring or making the JRPG what it is nowadays, but I mean, obviously, if we really look back at it, and I think again, so we'll probably do uh, a short series on, or maybe we'll do just the same length of series on Dragon Quest as well. Except for a lot of the Dragon Quests are actually connected and they, yeah, don't, they so repeat the themselves. About, the thing about doing a Dragon Quest series is the fact that, like, 
I mean, one through six are exactly the same, and then seven, eight, nine, ten, well, ten not, but they're, all the other ones are the same, and then eleven comes along, and it's still almost exactly the same, just with a little tiny little... So maybe we'll do a mini-series on, the, on them. Uh, um, yeah, so they, uh, Pokemon Red actually came out in 1998. Really? And that was in the U.S. They initially came out in ninety. They came out in ninety six in Japan. Yeah, um, it's kind of crazy. So, so one of the things you'll notice about it is that the game first, first of all, it's it's kind of one of the first of its kind in terms of the whole monster capturing thing, right? That's true. Um, and I say one of because I know there's other games that you do capture monsters, but just not in the same way where that's the central mechanic. Final Fantasy thirteen two definitely came out after this. Um, <laughs> Which also has a weird Pokemon connection. That is really funny that you brought that up, and I didn't it put two. Has it a two. Pokemon connection? No, in terms of like the fact that you actually like oh, capture yeah, monsters yeah, yeah, and they yeah. become part of your paradigm yeah. shift. Anyways, um, we'll talk about that when we get to thirteen. Oh, um, uh, really? We have to? <laughs> yes, we will. Ugh. It's part. Okay. It's part. We will even talk about Lightning Returns. And um, just so you guys know, that ugh was an endearing comment. That, again, we'll talk about that. <laughs> Um, no, no. So, so having Pokemon come out that much later, there's so many things that were already established, like you said, by Final Fantasy. That, I mean, think about it, by now we're up to Final Fantasy VII already before this game, or like this game comes out, and then Final Fantasy comes out, or Final Fantasy VII comes out, and then this game comes out in the U.S. after Final Fantasy VII has come out. So, like you're you're looking at this as a game. First of all, it's on the port on a portable console, and then it has this huge amount of content 151 monsters and you're just like whoa right but also like the amount of like mechanics built into that game it shows like how much people have learned about what like how how to create strategy and how to create a variety in strategy whereas like Final Fantasy hadn't quite figured out that mechanics uh, can lead to strategy mm. you know what I mean so I have a question in the Pokemon game mm-hmm. if you if you set your characters to attack a monster, and that monster's dead, does it miss? Or does so it miss in the original one? in the original Pokemon game, it was always one on one battles. It's never oh, one on one. Oh, that's right. That's so right. so you don't have to worry I was about just that. Kidding anyway. I'm, and I'm pretty sure that's also a programming limitation as well. Like they wanted to make sure that that the things like that wouldn't happen. But it was also to well, it's also a kids game. That too. So. That too. Um, which again, people found out that it wasn't as much a kids game as they thought it was when they found out there was all these substats that were hidden that you could raise Pokemon in certain ways and things like that. And, and then, then there's could... Pokemon breeding and <laughs> breeding. Um, <laughs> there was also Chocobo breeding in Final Fantasy VII. <laughs> <laughs> um, so hey, so I will say this: we went on way off topic. Well, I guess I guess we didn't. Yeah, we're still talking about like the origins of good mechanics in games. It's Final Fantasy is one of the one of the origins of what I consider to be like the like the penultimate like uh, RPG. Like they yeah. they, they kind of hit you with everything up front. These are the things that we want to do, and then every Final Fantasy that we'll talk about, you know, in the weeks to come, that they all build upon everything that was established in the first one. They fix all of their issues. Or they fix a lot of their issues as they progress going forward, and then um, every like I feel like progressively the stories just start to get more and more fleshed out. The mechanics get more and more fleshed out. The characters themselves start to get stories, um, and then these towns seem less like hubs and more like actual uh, 
set pieces or whatever for 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 events to occur and um like even talking villains you go from final fantasy one where there's a villain that has like very i want to rule the world boom done and then to to the second one where it's i am ruling the world how are you going to deal with my rule boom done then three where it's like you really have no villain until the actually end of the game which is crazy and then four where suddenly they just go oh we can actually write a like full-on story Mm -hmm. but again we'll get we'll get to that it's just it's definitely going to be a progression you'll see as we start talking about the the, yeah the newer ones i mean you're right i I didn't really think about how like how how much an influence final fantasy is to these other games and like how important it really is to kind of talk about that yeah so well man so that was uh that was a super long episode so let's not let's, really super long, but yeah. let's uh, finish with our last question. Okay. Do you recommend it to, by today's standards? By today's standards, I would not recommend the game in whole. Um, I would say that if you are a fan of the Final Fantasy series, that it is a good game to play to kind of get a feel for where the game, uh, where the, like the origins of the series. But I would recommend playing it on. Um, playing it on PSP if you can mm-hmm. get it on PSP uh just because the updated graphics and Do they have it on Steam? Is PSP one on Steam? No. Actually, you'd have to buy a PSP. I don't condone the Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. I, uh, that's that's really weird. Yeah, um it's only starting at 3 and you only can get the DS version of 3 starting on Steam and then every other one going forward. Well, I mean I mean, honestly, I'm sure any of the remakes like addressed any of the 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 fallbacks or downfalls or whatever you want to call it for yeah. Final Fantasy One. So I'm I'm I personally think like, do you recommend it for? for yeah, nowadays? yeah. Okay. I mean, I mean, I if I was to go back and play it, I know I'd still have fun. It's not but about it it's not about having fun, but I'm trying to say as a whole. Like I said, on whole, I don't recommend it. But in terms of like its reference or like. Uh, it's you know it's importance to the rest of the series. Yes, I feel like it's one. Of, it's almost. I feel like it's almost like I don't say. I wouldn't say watch every MCU movie right now, but I would say that if you want to kind of see how it progressed into being this big monster that it is now, I would mm-hmm. recommend going back and watching Iron Man one. That kind of thing. You know what I mean? Oh man, I still recommend you know, Iron Man one. Well, but but you but you see what I'm saying? Yeah, I know it's importance saying. to the series holds a different weight than just it as a movie. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. So that's kind of how I, I think about Final Fantasy 1. I still think she, people should play it. That's cool. Just not the NES version. Unless you have a cl- NES classic. You are, you are entitled to your opinion. <laughs> Final Fantasy 1 is on the NES classic? Yeah. Is Final Fantasy 2 on there? No. Oh. Or 3. <laughs> again, and then on... Uh, again, the, uh, hey, when we talk about 3, I'll, ta- I'll talk about that, that DS remake. That's... Yeah. Okay. I can't wait to talk about it. Yeah. The game I don't remember playing. That's fine so sad that's fine um so what are we gonna talk about in the next episode all right so uh we're talking about how we wanted to pull themes out of the games and one of the <laughs> one of the themes quote unquote themes <laughs> quote unquote themes uh from final fantasy one is actually time travel and actually do you want to since it's very at the very be- excuse me beginning of the game do you want to explain why there's time travel um if I'm being completely honest, I didn't quite understand the time travel in this game. I know, I don't either. It was the way they say it is he like sent his body back in time but split it into separate parts. 
to create the the like the fiends are the separate parts of himself that he sent back in time that eventually came forward in time and as you defeat them they are recreating him as a whole i believe is how how it's explained again i could be completely wrong on that but anything to deal with time travel as we will discuss in the coming episodes always tends to somehow be convoluted in time travel and i guess spoiler alert Time travel is one of my least favorite plot devices because of how hard it is to actually get it right. And and there and, and therein lies kind of me and Will's different take on uh, entertainment because you know like he's analyzing everything. And typically, whenever I watch something for the first time, I'm just I'm just taking it in. I'm just enjoying it. Yeah, but so. that's what we'll get into in the next uh, in the next episode. Um, until then. We're gone. Yeah. I kind of feel like we might need to find some way to sign off these podcasts. Yeah. <laughs> I never know what to say. Hey, uh, goodbye, guys. You know. Oh, until then. Any questions, suggestions for episodes? Uh, I don't know. You have your own stories about Final Fantasy. Uh, emails at mbgpodcasts at gmail.com. And uh, thank you for listening. Yeah. Uh, uh, I do appreciate it. Uh, I don't know what Will does or not, but I, I do. Okay. I do. Until next time.